COVID-19 is by no means behind us. Yet we can't help to feel excited about the news that the light at the end of the tunnel is finally visible to all of us. And when law firms finally make it to the other side, it will be a new place, but with many of the same things we experienced while in the tunnel. I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we celebrate that client experience is finally a term used by law firms. Camera podcast, private legal marketing conversations. Grace, it's a pleasure to welcome you back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? Good, Grace. Thank you very much for asking. So tell me, we are recording this episode right uh, as we are approaching the end of the week after the bank holiday. So has it been all crazy for you? A little bit, you know, it's always hurry up and wait, catch up, catch up after a long holiday. So it's it's a little crazy, but, you know, manageable. Yes, I agree with you. It is always crazy. And it also, particularly for Thanksgiving, it's because really right after that holiday, I think a lot of people kind of like enter into the mindset like, all right, like we are really now heading towards the end of the year and I got to get all of my shit together, right? Like, this is it. This is the time that certain conversations need to be had. This is the time that certain things that have been procrastinated uh, need to be taken care of. And I think a lot of people's approach to those things shifts when they actually get into this spot. Like, it's kind of like the, the pressure is on. Do you get that feeling as well, Grace, a little bit? Most definitely. Through all of the different divisions we have, everybody wants to, you know, get onboarded now and get all of their things yeah. um, kind of tied up before the end of the year. So, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And just because you said they onboarded, it's also a super exciting time in the year because it's when really um, you get an opportunity also to have a lot of conversations with law firms that are actually thinking of doing things differently or integrating something new for the coming year. And this year has been no exception, at least for us as an agency. We have had some very interesting conversations with law firms who are saying, well, you know what? We want to make 2021 the year that we actually take the lead and make an effort to have a strong presence within the Hispanic market in their local markets. And that's actually something that, you know, we're passionate about and we enjoy. And so it's always great to be able to have those conversations. This really doesn't matter which time of the year, but it just happens to be that the end of the, of the end of the year is time where a lot of people start to reflect on these things and it opens up the windows for that. So it's a busy time, Grace. It's a busy time. But sure um, yeah, just as we were saying, I think uh, both you and I appreciated a lot having that little gap and break of uh, Thanksgiving just to you know, take one or two steps back and appreciate things, small things, which uh, with accelerated lives, even in um, the middle of a pandemic, is just feels good. It does. Time to be thankful and time to reflect is always a nice time. You know, if you can spend that time and actually do it, it's always um, helpful to you and, and your business, right? Yeah, 
that's another thing, right? I think a lot of a lot of us come uh, rested and recharged and ready for that, right? To take care of business, right? <laughs> that's what actually generates all of this pressure and all of this interest, and and it's actually good, right? It's always great to have that feeling of wanting to move forward. So, Grace, with that in mind. And in line with a series of conversations that we've been having over the past few weeks, we're going to now talk this week about an article that we came across from the American Legal Magazine, right? And it's about the five trends that will shape legal practice in 2021. So, Grace, how does the title sound to you? I really think that that's a perfect segue from our previous conversation on social media trends for 2021. And I think that the way they laid it out really makes sense to me because you can kind of boil it down to five specific trends because they're, I feel like it's an overarching conversation, right? And all of the little things that we just said before we started this pod, I mean, as soon as we started the podcast, to me, falls in line with what they're talking about. Yeah, I so Grace, everything you said there, and also because sometimes we get too focused on marketing and SEO and pay-per-click and Facebook, but it's very important to understand that there is a lot of many other factors that impact the business that consequently impact and change the way in which the marketing strategies are planned, implemented, and measured. So that's why I think this conversation is very relevant because it actually looks at the bigger picture of things that are having an impact right now in the way law firms are being run and that are very likely here to stay or to grow as trends. So Grace, let's start in and let's first give a shout out to the author of the article, which is Sally Kane, and we'll link her article in the episode notes. So if you want to actually see the full article here that uh, Sally pieced together, it's going to be there for you. Okay. So first point, Grace. First point's talking about new talent and hiring strategies. So um, I can speak to this actually from a couple of different perspectives, um, luckily, uh, from the law firm perspective, and then just from the legal practice perspective, including the services that we provide. You know, we're non-lawyers are not limited to paralegals anymore, right? So the idea of creating a more business-like structure, in my opinion, is what they're talking about. What do you think, Leo? A hundred percent, Grace. And actually, you know, um, it, it brings me back to an earlier conversation we had this year with uh, one, of, one, of, one of the attorneys, right? And, and his um, uh, title was CEO, right? And, and we asked him, like... Um, why is it a CEO and not a managing partner or something uh, that is more conventional and traditional for law firms? And so he explained, right? Because the business model that we have in the law firm actually fits this title. The way we are organized and structured, this is how it fits. So um, I'm trying to remember, was it CEO or was it CEO and chief legal strategist? I heard chief yeah. legal strategist actually quite yeah. a bit. So... Um, Anyhow, it could it could have been both or not. Doesn't really matter. The bottom line is that law firms are starting to transition more to business-like models than just the more traditional law firm 
organizational structure that we knew, right? Which is managing partners, partners, paralegals, intake, receptionist, whatever, right? Office manager, if any. So more specific uh, roles, different titles, different organizational structure. And I think it's another thing that is worth including in this particular point is the fact that a lot of work is also getting outsourced, right? right? is bringing and acknowledging that certain level of expertise cannot be handled in-house for whatever reason that could be. Different law firms, different sizes, different motives, why you would want to outsource certain business needs. But the bottom line is that this is getting normalized and is actually not being seen as a bad practice anymore, right? Like before, there there's used to be a little bit of a stigma, like, like no, no, we would like to handle it all in-house. Everything would like to do it in-house. And I think now people understand that there is actually a value in, in establishing some partnerships with other talented individuals, organizations that could actually better support you in taking care of particular parts of your business. And this, you know, like our minds tend to go always to marketing, but there's a lot of other things, whether that's intake, whether it's that's research, medical records, like you name it. it, There are so many things that sometimes can be better handled when outsourced than actually handled internally. And I know, Grace, you know, as persist, you actually give a solution to law firms who actually deal with a lot of call volume, a lot of uh, leads that need to be organized and reached out to and such. And so I think it's it's a trend that law firms now see this is a good path to take. Let's strike some good partnerships, whether it's with other organizations, freelancers, or SaaS companies. What do you think? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, we like to use even in when it comes to hiring, we use technology in the hiring process, right? With automation um, and automation and testing, making sure that they go through the different um, parameters that we have for that particular role. Um, and then if we can, we supplement our technology with maybe one individual, right? Where that person will be sort of a supervisor of the software and making sure everything is running the way it should. So all these different roles that are kind of popping up because of technology and replacing even in some cases. And then what you were talking about, right, the distributed workforce now, um, because everything is kind of uh, out in the cloud, remote um, because of COVID. And then on top of that, like you said, vendor outsourcing for different parts of your business. And so in all of those changes require a change in the way you hire. Your strategies have to change and line up with the new technology, the new needs that you have for how your business model works. Yeah. So I totally agree with you, Grace, there. And one thing that obviously, as we continue to go through this list, is going to stay there consistently in every single point is going to be the impact that technology has had at all ends across uh, the spectrum, right? Like, it's just touched every single part of the business. And I think it's fair to say that for the good. So let's move on to the next point, which is increased focus on client experience. Race, again, like you can see that I'm in a reflective mode. Like I'm thinking all the way back into the different conversations that we've had this year and such. And I remind, and I remember when we first started using the term client experience earlier in 2020, it felt like we were adopting a term that was used in other industries 
but was not yet common in the legal industry. And so for me now to start seeing client experience more widely used across the legal vertical, it's kind of like a mission accomplished sort of moment. Like the conversation has been established and some indications of that. Well, of course, we have this article. We have also a book that Clio published earlier this year with a client-centered law firm. And there's actually quite a lot of focus being put into that, you know, it's just not enough with being a great lawyer that achieves great results. It's all about what experience also your clients have while they're working with you. How easy and convenient is it for them to be your clients? Is it an actual enjoyable experience? Do you meet them where they want to be met in the sense that when they have to follow up on a case uh, status with you, can they do it easily when they have to send over documentation to you? Is it a seamless and intuitive process, right? When they have to pay your bills, can they do it in a way that it's convenient for them? And so all of different, all of those different touch points have now a very important impact in the overall experience, right? The client will take with them when they uh, finish the collaboration with you. And I think one of the things that have raised the awareness for this to the extent that we now have is the fact that we are now in the uh, era of reviews, right? Users have taken control over the narrative and they're the ones who decide, yes, your service was great or not, it was not great. And I'm actually going to go and talk about it there. Yeah. Yes, the results were fantastic, but it took forever to be able to talk to the attorney or they don't return your calls or there were issues with the billing and invoicing and whatever that is. You want to make sure that the experience is consistent across the board. It's not just enough, right? With having a great lawyer. And it's also not enough just with having great marketing, right, Grace? I mean, again, I'm going to bring it back to the intake, right? You can have the best, the best and more convincing and compelling strategies and brand awareness, but it's by the time people actually ring, uh, sorry, call your law firm, the experience is not there. It was then worthless. The marketing effort was worthless because it's not going to translate into actual results. So Grace, what are your thoughts on client experience? So when it comes to client experience, I like to kind of liken it to the Google experience, right? How Google's constantly been refining the user experience with Google. That is exactly the same thing that's been happening with law firms. They have to, the onus is on them. The onus is on the law firm to create the client experience that the client is expecting because the client's expectations have just basically, not basically, they have increased year over year. And so as a client, I am now expecting you to personalize your marketing, personalize your outreach, literally personalize everything to me as your client, which that's the way it should be in theory, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times many firms have been a little late to the game, but as you said, the technology and everything that's been happening with the client experience has kind of pushed everybody into a requirement not just a, oh, I kind of would like to make the client experience more uh, seamless and less friction for the client. No, now it's a must. There's no question yeah. about it anymore. I I totally agree, Grace. So, uh, you know, when people say 
competition is good. This is what it is, right? This is what it means. It makes it forces you to move out of your comfort zone and do things, challenge yourself to do things better. And I think that's what we are seeing uh, with the focus on uh, client experience and the way that it has disrupted the um, handling of business in law firms and the client attorney interactions as they've been up until now. So Grace, we have point number three and it's emerging technologies. Yeah, to no one surprise. Right? <laughs> you know how much I love talking about tech, so <laughs> as do you. <laughs> So yeah, um, we all know that it, there's no secret, right? Technology change, has changed. It has changed the face of the law practice, changed the way we interact with our customers, our clients, with everything we do, and it will just continue to change. The only constant in this world is change, right? So yeah. I feel like um, I can speak pretty pretty briefly, but also extensively. I could probably have a whole podcast on just emerging technologies. But when it comes to technology, look, the important thing is to to make sure that you implement something, at least one thing that makes it easier on your client, right? To me, that is just the, the, the utmost goal. And since we're looking at things kind of from a, you know, a 20,000 foot view from above into 2021, it doesn't have to be the end of the world that you don't have all of the different things in place that you think you need to have to make the client experience a thousand percent, right? Just start with like, Liel said at the, near the beginning of the podcast, intake, right? Just start with one little piece that you know can help your client from the very, very beginning, if you can. So, you know, artificial intelligence is doing all kinds of stuff that used to be done by maybe a paralegal. Um, you know, intake people are now just basically talking to clients, um, at least with Persist, that's how it it runs. It automates all of the miscellaneous tasks that people normally would have to do on their own you know, the emailing, the actual dialing out, leaving voicemails and texting um, so that it makes it more efficient for your firm and by using technology to make the client experience better. Exactly. So, Absolutely, Grace. That's that, So that's exactly the game plan, right? Yes. Use technology to improve the customer experience, the client experience, right? To humanize more your actual real interactions when you get the opportunity to be in front of your clients. And one thing, and this is really interesting because as, as I was preparing for this podcast, as well, I, was, I was reviewing a recent report that Deloitte put out, which is uh, on market analysis for 2021. And it shows that obviously this year, people were pushed to have to adopt technology in order to be able to just do or continue with life as normal as it could be. And the whole sentiment on technology has completely shifted in society over this year. So people who may have had resistance to doing certain things online or to using certain technology for certain things, they now feel positive about it and they will continue to use it even after we are out of COVID-19, right? So one thing that we've, for instance, been saying is that do we see in-person conferences vanishing for good? No, they're not, right? Because those fulfill another purpose other than just providing you the content of the actual conference. But are video conferences, Zoom conferences going to continue being convenient for clients? 
probably they will, right? Probably they will because they're time-saving, they're efficient, and they can be also personal. So there are certain things that are going to stay with us for the time to come. And so for you to have embraced this technology and make it part of your standard operations is kind of like an expectation that your clients will have as we are shifting into the new year. So I would definitely think that for those who are still thinking that this is going to be a momentarily scenario in which we are, and then things are going to completely revert to being what they were before the uh, pandemic, they're going to face another big challenge when things and the dust settle. Because online appointments, 100% is going to stay there. And uh, potentially, you know, more interactions through text messaging, chats, right? Um, communications that can be handled easily online, digitally, remote. Those are all trends that I think, Grace, are here to stay for good. Definitely. And even in some cases where they, like the trial courts, right? Some of the, the trial courts have gone 100% Zoom meetings and Zoom trials, even jury selections. And I heard, you know, yeah. on the MTMP webinar yesterday, that's actually what I heard was, you know, some of the depositions and some of the trials are 100% remote now. Grace, it's efficient. It's just the bottom line, right? It's efficient. And the compromise in um, human interaction, it's... It's not enough to make it's it... Relative, yeah, yeah, it's relative low. Right. Okay. I Again, I still think there's going to be a lot that will call for in-person. Yes. And, and there is always going to be a segment of your market that will want to have the in-person side, right? And, and, and so this is the time also where certain law firms are going to have to make those decisions. Are we going to continue wanting to be a law firm for all, or are we going to make the hard call and say, you know what, in the sake of being able to provide an amazing client experience to a particular demographic group, we're going to do and go after this kind of client that wants either the online-only experience or the uh, in-person-only experience. Right, Grace? Okay. And that brings us to the next point, which is micro-niches. And while online only or in-person only doesn't necessarily narrow it down to a micro niche, it certainly talks about the need of understanding who are you trying to sell? Who is your ideal client, Grace? And I'll tell you, I mean, going back again to the conversations that we've had this, this year, right? We had low tigers here in the podcast. And what Ari was sharing is that, you know, they build an entire marketing machine that is laser focused on a particular kind of persona, right? And which obviously are motorcycle riders. But then even within that demographic group, then it actually diversifies, right? That's and right. I'm, you know, I'm going to sound pathetic here trying to call the different kind of riders, but, you know, those who are the, I guess, the Harley Davidson kind of driver yes. are one kind of market. And those who are uh, raising those Ducatis, and uh, Suzuki's, yeah. Honda, uh, different group. go for a different kind of a lifestyle choice as a whole. Mm -hmm. But they have a strategy for both. 
And it's really a great example of the importance and value of actually doing your micro niches, right? As a digital marketing that specializes in the Hispanic market, you would think, okay, the Hispanic market is already a micro niche. You may think, actually, the Hispanic market in certain markets can be as big as 80 or 90% of the demographic group, particularly here in Texas, if you look at certain cities. Some other areas in the country, not so much, hardly gets to 6 7 8%. But on markets grades where it's super big, you can actually micro niche inside the Hispanic market, right? You have all kinds of Hispanics. Mm -hmm. You have the English-speaking Hispanics. You have the Spanish-speaking Hispanics, right? And then you can look at nationalities and backgrounds and decide, you know, like if you're in New York, you may want to decide, you know, I want to focus on uh, Colombians or Equatorians, or I want to focus on the Puerto Ricans, or you can try to capture them all, but you have to still acknowledge that within that group, there are different backgrounds, nationalities, and therefore uh, different personas. And Grace, I think, again, that those kind of strategies that are just like one same message across the board, that's it. That's it. Those who were able to survive with that up until now, great on them. It's not going to transcend. It's not gonna. It's not gonna uh, fly moving forward, Grace. Why? Because newer law firms, newer brands are gonna emerge that will have that understanding and that hyper focus on particular demographic segments, and they're gonna be able to establish better, stronger, more deep connections than law firms that have just been there forever with the same message for every single demographic group in their market. What do you think? Definitely. I mean, you know, it's funny because when you hear niche, you think small, right? You think hyper focused and tiny group maybe, but like you said, Hispanics, right? That's, that could be considered a niche, but then there's the niche within the niche, within the niche. So talking mm -hmm. about micro niches, a thousand percent, Liel, people need to just focus on what they're good at and they can, if they focus on a specific practice area that they just happen to blow out of the water for whatever reason, right? It's something that speaks to them. And so they can speak to that market and build and be successful in a micro niche. Yeah, I agree, Grace. So to me, that's exciting. To me, that's full of opportunity. And I think we will, for a very long time, continue to work uh, to have conversations that are about uh, understanding who are you um, talking to all the time. So, Grace, I think before we go into our takeaways, there is one more point, and I think that Sally here is spot on in bringing it up. And that's that one thing we can all agree in is that 2020, in a way or another, has been a year of social discourse and speaking up, right? Right. You know, it's not that it's something that started this year, but... I think a lot of messages about uh, inclusion and diversity got amplified this year and for a good reason. Yes. And I think if anything, the trend will continue, right? And it's just about time, right, Grace? Yeah. Or just adopt things that should have been normal, really. <laughs> I mean, forever. Yeah, this should have been a normal situation that diversity, yeah, there, inclusion, yeah. and equality were part yeah, of our conversation. Right. Agreed. Like, 
to have conversations about salary inequality. Um, the glass ceiling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Grace, you know, our podcast here has acknowledged this issue a few times here and there. And we're by no means dismissive of it, but it's just like we're just so firmly believe in it, right? That sometimes tend to forget that unfortunately it is not the case everywhere else. And so I think particularly as younger generations are entering the labor force, as uh, people are feeling more empowered and they're feeling more in control again of the narrative as it should be, those who do not adapt and do not see the need of actually changing certain aspects of the way that we've been doing certain things are just doomed not to be relevant in the future. I, that's, that's right. That's exactly yeah. what it boils down to. You will no longer be relevant because you are not being relevant to the individuals yeah. that you I mean, need to go after. Just, just think about attracting talent, just think about attracting clients, just think about your overall PR and marketing strategies. Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very, very, very grace, uh, straightforward. So I used to work in the steel industry and as part of certain things they require, you know, if you want to get government contracts or anything like that, they by law require you to have a certain number of diverse people working for you. And, um, you know, I do see that, uh, there's been some sort of movement in that direction in some other industries. And uh, actually Sally is mentioning in hers, a program called Mansfield rule certification, um, which is talking about promoting diversity in the workplace and having a certification that's basically showing that you are, and do believe and actually practice diversity, inclusion, and equality yeah. in your law firm or your business. Yeah, absolutely. Grace, another another very, very important element that falls also into, I believe, this category, which is focus on sustainability. Yes. Correct, right? Yes. That's super important. It's a topic that's getting a lot of attention from society as a general, right? Because that's another one of the causes of COVID-19. There is a direct line that's being traced that says, well, I mean, in part, one of the reasons why we are here uh, could be attributed to uh, climate change, right? And so obviously, uh, for a lot of people, this is actual point of a lot of interest, right? And I think certain industries have been kind of like uh, distancing themselves from it because they say, well, how am I, a law firm, going to have an impact into that? Well, you'll have an impact into that through your community outreach, through the way that you support other organizations in your market, in your community. And so that is another very, very, very powerful way of actually standing out from your competitors and stepping up to things that you actually believe in, right? Grace, I mean, the possibilities are endless. And to actually side up with things that you believe in is actually a good step to take when you firmly align your values and your law firm's values and your team's values to whatever is that you're advocating for, Grace. I think, you know, for a very long time, businesses as a whole, not just law firms, have been very, uh, they've been holding themselves back from becoming too political or opinionated on certain things. Well, the reality is that the world in which we are now kind of like expects you to have a voice and a say on certain things. And so this is gonna be something that some law, firm, law firms will continue not doing, 
but I can see particularly the younger new law firms having a more independent voice and signing up with certain things. And so um, I think it's exciting. Agree. I mean, sustainability has become very important to a lot of people and, you know, as well as it should be. And, you know, including like green buildings, as simple as something like that, mm -hmm. right? With green buildings nowadays, you know, it's it's a sustainable way of whether they purchase it, lease it or whatever, that they actually look at the leases and make sure that the building they're in is green. Yeah. So it has become a very important part of yeah. sustainability and, you know, part of the, the narrative, right? Like yeah. you said, for 2021 and yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. We're a solar powered agency, in case you didn't know. We take great pride on it. Are you really? No, I <laughs> didn't are, know. We are. We are. Energy efficient digital marketing agency. <laughs> That's pretty cool, I have to say. Yeah. It is. It is. And we're proud. So, Grace, it's time for our takeaways, right? Trend. And if this episode wasn't already super packed with a lot of actionable uh, tips and insights, let's bring it down to three, Grace. And so take us away. So adjust your hiring and process for talent, finding talent to be part of the new 2021, right? Include some automation, include some sort of technology and, or at the very least, have an idea and create a strategy that helps you focus on what the new things that are coming down the pipeline for your business and staff accordingly. Yeah, I agree with you, Grace. I think if by this point, you haven't yet been able to figure out how can we optimize operations, right? How can we make improvements? How can we become more efficient? Then potentially that's a big opportunity that you have there. And maybe you should consider um, bringing somebody into the team or establishing a partnership that can help you uh, get on that track, right? So I would agree that uh, if anything there is a massive opportunity right now to strike good and full of impact partnerships or find the right talent that your law firm needs. Why? Because unfortunately, one of the consequences that this year has brought into the labor market is a lot of unemployment. And so that opens up a massive opportunity for law firms that are actually growing and in position to hire to really, really, really pick and choose some super qualified candidates. So that's, that's, that's there, right? And if, if you can, and if that's what you need, this is time to leverage that, Grace. So what's the next thing, Grace? So I'm going to kind of combine two of the topics that we talked about into one. Um, focus on client experience and use technology to do it. That's what I always tell people. You know that I'm all about technology and automation where it makes sense. So increase your client experience, make it better, and use at least one piece of technology to do that, whether it's something simple like personalizing um, your website when they land on it so that it says, welcome, you know, uh, Miami, Florida person, anything that will make it the client experience better, you need to implement at least one for the next year and have a strategy for it, of course. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say the same thing about client experience, super important all the touches that you can think of that could enhance the client experience. And um, here's, here's the thing, right? Ask, research, don't just assume that clients like or don't like. You have an opportunity to social listen in case you do get decent amount of reviews, but if you're not, then you should inquire and make it easy for your clients 
to share back feedback with you. So that's 100% here to stay. We have room for one last one, Grace. So I think takeaway number three kind of elaborates on what you just said. I think that if you do what you need to do for 2021, you will be able to um, figure out by asking your own clients and getting feedback, true feedback from the people that you are trying to serve, you will be able to find out what micro niche and how to broaden and commit to diversity, inclusion, and equality. Why? Because as part of your strategy and focusing on your clients and asking your clients, what do you want from me as your law firm? They will tell you. People are, they want to tell you. And so you'll be able to staff accordingly, increase your uh, diversity within your own law firm to help your clients better, right? Whether it's Spanish speaking, um, you know, Chinese, uh, Mandarin, uh, specific to Korean, whatever it is, it will help your firm, your clients, and will increase the diversity and inclusion within your workforce because you are serving the client better. Yeah, Grace, that's it. Diversion, inclusion, and equality. That's it. Enough said. Takeaway number three, <laughs> if, you, if you can't get that, then I don't know, uh, maybe- Call us and we'll help. I don't know, Grace. I'll stop there. Grace, thank you so much for such a wonderful conversation. I certainly enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week, right? Promise? Next week, promise. All right, excellent. We'll talk to you then. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Bye. Leo. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.